You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Joe Delagrave was a three-sport athlete throughout high school, which led him to play Division II football at Winona State University. But on July 10, 2004, a casual boating adventure with some friends on the Mississippi River turned into a life-altering accident. In the matter of a split second, he went from a college football player to a paralyzed 19-year-old kid. He would discover wheelchair rugby, a sport that helped him become independent, confident, and fuel his competitive fire. He's been a member and captain of the USA team for several years now. So, Joe, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, Sean. I appreciate it. So I know that you were, uh, sports was was critical to you growing up. Uh, talk about um, the role that sports played in your life early on. Yeah, I've always been a huge fan um, uh, of sports and, and whether it was basketball, and football or baseball or um, did some track middle school and swimming and all that just love being a part of a team and so i think that's like the biggest impact it had on me growing up is figuring out how i fit in individually into a team environment and something that i just loved being a part of i was i was even in plays and musicals um as well because i like that part of the team and and um it was really fun for me too so just loved being a part of a group part of a team um, striving for something bigger than myself. And, uh, and so that, that had a huge impact on my life growing up. That's interesting that you mentioned, you know, kind of the juxtaposition between sports and art, because I did both growing up too. Uh, I played, you know, football all the way up through high school, uh, baseball, almost up to about that time period, but also was active in, in, uh, theater and music as well. So that's interesting. What, what do you find as the difference between, between the two? You know, what's funny is there's not, as far as obviously, you know, a lot of people want to put like, you know, the old, the old school, like boxes of jock or, uh, thespian out there or whatever. But like, as far as the work that you're putting into it, there's not a lot of like you, there's a lot of time and effort, um, spent into learning your role for a play or a musical and, uh, countless hours of working together to figure it out. And so, um, there's a lot more similarities, I think, than there are differences, mm-hmm. um, with that. I think that the, the common, the common differences are just the misconceptions um, on either side of the, uh, whatever camp that you normally would fall into, um, and going, oh, well, they, you know, sports think that they've got it all figured out. Theater thinks that they've got it all figured <laughs> out. Like, really? It's like, you know, a lot, of, a lot more similarities than there are differences. Yeah, indeed. And you mentioned teamwork. I mean, obviously, teamwork plays a, a critical role in both components, but also communication and leadership. And and there's so many things that I I got out of being involved in in both camps, um, if you will. So I imagine you did as you did too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you know you you um you know you were young when you had a boating accident and, and uh, on the river that changed your life. Um, you know, you want to talk a little bit about that day. Yeah. So, you know, rewind a little bit. My, my goal in, in high school was to be able to get some sort of scholarship to play a sport in college. And 
Um, just lo- just loved football and basketball are probably my best sports and it's pretty decent on the football field and the basketball court and ended up uh, accepting an offer to play at a division two school in, in uh, Minnesota called Winona State University, uh, go Warriors. And I was able to play there as a true freshman, my freshman year. And um, so everything that I had kind of prepared for in life and, and wanted out of uh, life in that you know short time span at, at 18, 19 years old, trying to figure everything out and thought I had, had everything figured out and had no idea what I wanted to do past football, but I was, <laughs> um, you know, there and, and, and getting to play and extending my playing career a little bit. And so, uh, I think it was great. I, I loved my freshman year of college. It was fantastic and had a lot of fun and, um, uh, got to play a little bit as a true freshman, which was great too. And, um, and then in between my freshman and sophomore years of, of college was when I had the boating accident and just a freak day, um, out on the river, 75 degrees, partly, uh, cloudy. And so just a beautiful summer day, July 10th, 2004. And my buddy, Adam and Kyle, who I grew up with are on the boat. It's Kyle's, um, boat that he got handed down from his grandpa. And we had been on that thing, um, hundreds of times probably. And, kneeboarding and fishing and just having fun and enjoying being river rats like we were being on a uh living in a, a little town right on the river so uh that's what kids did and and that day was no different and we were in a back slew of the water and you never know how deep or shallow the, ri- the, the river is back there and and we knew that but um Kyle was going around to, to turn around and hit the bottom of the river accidentally I'm sitting in the boat looking out towards Adam when he's on the kneeboard, just in case he fell off. And um, the motor catches the bottom of the river and I fly backwards, hit my head on the front of the boat, inside the boat and, and break my neck. Um, so my life in a split second changed uh, very dramatically. And, and, you know, at that point, are you thinking that, 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 that indeed your life, is now going to be different or what, what are your, some of your initial thoughts at that point? Yeah. Yeah. You know, hindsight, you, you look back and go, wow, life changed in the moment uh, at 19 years old, you're still, even though like I, I can't move my legs, I can't feel my legs. I know that um, the doctors are taking care of me, but I'm still have that feeling of invincibility at, at 19. You feel like, Oh, well, you know, I'm a big, rough, tough, six foot five, 260 pound football player. Like I can get through this. There's, there's, you know, there's no way it's, uh, there's there's no way that I'm going to be sitting in a wheelchair. There's no way I'm not going to power my way through this or will my way through this or whatever it would be. And so initially I'm thinking like, Oh, like, you know, I've got an injury just like a broken leg would be. Obviously it's pretty bad that they're med flighting me to a hospital and, and everything, but I'll figure it out and, and time will, will heal it. And um, you know, you don't, you don't think, Oh, your, your, your life's going to be, spent using a wheelchair to get around that that's not something that that went to my mind right away. And, and so during that recovery, I think you spent, you know, about three months or so in the hospital. Were you thinking, you know, how, how can I get back into sports or were you, were you discovering, you know, ways to try to get back into sports at that point? Right away. I wanted nothing to do with anything adaptive sports, like nothing to do with it. So I'm, I'm laying in bed. I remember one of my coaches from high school, uh, Mel Dow, he was the head wrestling coach at Purdue Sheen at the time and, um, and assistant football coach and great guy. And he's like, Hey, I know some guys that are, 
um, coaches at like us Paralympics or whatever. And I had no idea what that was. And I'm like, I, I want nothing to do with anything adaptive like that. That to me, like at 19 years old, my, my thinking, my ignorant thinking at that time was like wheelchair adaptive, uh, like adaptive sports or wheelchair sports were pathetic. Like that was my 19 year old ignorant thinking. There's no way like that. I mean, come on. Like I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a college football player. There's no, like, there's no way that could fulfill me and anything like that. And so it took about a year and a half. I had gained a lot of weight, um, still ate like a football player after my accident. And it was about a year and a half later that, um, my buddy was like, you probably should like do some kind of exercise or maybe, you know, maybe we should weigh you. And I ended up weighing like 285 pounds. Uh, he was really gentle about telling me, Hey, you're getting fat and you need to do something. <laughs> Uh, and, and yeah, so that, that's, that's kind of what nudged me in going like, man, I should probably look something up and ended up finding clickbaited wheelchair rugby. Like it was one of those things where I'm looking at uh, these adaptive sports and going like, oh, wheelchair basketball. It looks like I'm, I don't have enough function to do that. Wheelchair racing. Um, I didn't like running around a circle on a track. I'm probably not going to like pushing around a circle on a track. Let's move on. Wheelchair rugby. Uh, you know, there's a, this thing called murder ball. I click the video, they're smashing into each other. And I'm like, what are these crippled people doing or like chasing each other around and trying to hurt each other? Like, this is crazy. So let them sign me up. And, uh, that's kind of like the initial thing. I ended up going to a practice, um, in 2006, end of 2006 up in, up in, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota at a place called courage center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called Courage Kenny and, and went there and, and practiced with the local club team there and fell in love with it. And, it, you know, you get in the chair and they strap you in. And that took about 45 minutes because they're, you know, like didn't exactly uh, jump in that chair really quick. It was figuring all out, sliding board and straps and all this and that. And I finally get in 30 minutes later, someone hits me and I'm passing the ball around and I'm terrible at it. But it, it was one of those things where I was like, wow, I can. I can do a sport and this is pretty cool. And I'm breathing heavy and my, my lungs are getting filled with air. And, um, it was, it was a pretty fun feeling to have some of that adrenaline back as an athlete. And and I felt like an athlete again, a pretty, pretty out of shape, big athlete, but at the same time, like, wow, I was competing a little bit. And how far of a a drive from, from courage Kennedy to where you were, where were you at that time? Yeah, I was still down at Winona. I went back to school for a year at Winona State. So it was about a two and a half hour drive up to the cities. Um, and I thought I was just going to watch. And they're like, now nah, you're going to get in a chair. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, and, and that's kind of the the community that we have in the wheelchair rugby community. So a, a newbie comes out and a fresh body comes out. And like, well, let's get you in a chair and let's figure stuff out. And that's what they did with me. And and it was, it was pretty neat. I remember driving home that night and going like, this that was that was cool that was that was really that was really cool and did you make that drive multiple times for a while then or or what was uh you know how did you you know from that one first initial practice what was your kind of evolution yeah so from that first initial practice uh, i'm like how we need to get back up there my wife um april who uh i was dating at the time we're going like this, this is, this is something good. She kind of saw that like, man, this could be something good for him as a support group. And, um, and that's what wheelchair rugby is. Like you get together with a bunch of guys and, and a few ladies play as well. And, and you're able to talk about things and, and see that they've been through some things that you are going through currently. And 
you figure out how to do everyday activities, let alone figure out a sport again. And so it was, it was needed. And, and so we're in Winona and I'm like, man, I should probably transfer. And I ended up transferring up to, um, up to Northwestern in the cities there. And in April ended up transferring as well. And, um, and so we, we ended up moving up to the cities partly because we wanted to get me more involved with, with rugby and the rugby team up there. And, um, that was 2006 when we moved, moved up there. Oh, wow. Okay. So almost immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know you mentioned the, uh, documentary or the, the, the film, uh, murder ball. Um, obviously now that you play the sport, you know, how would you, uh, how would you describe the movie movies portrayal versus um, your real life experiences playing rugby? I mean, I think those guys did a phenomenal job with murder ball. It, it was, it was um, edgy. It was something that no one had ever done before in the disabled community, as far as what they're showing. And they did a great job, obviously like it's not for everyone and it's not for young, young, uh, young viewers at all, but like, it's something that I think was needed to smash some of those stereotypes of disability down. Um, like, Hey, we're, we're athletes and we're a bunch of guys and we're going to talk about, um, uh, what guys talk about in a locker room. And it's not any different than uh, an NFL locker room or an NBA. Like it just, um, it's it, guys talking about things that guys enjoy. And so, um, I think that was really important at the time and something that still is uh, making an impact and going, Oh, I watched, I watched murder ball. I can, uh, I figured out that, Hey, life goes on. And I watched murder ball and I figured out that these guys are all flirting with girls still. And uh, you know, whatever it is. And so like, I, I think it was really big for um, the general public to see and, and learn from, um, as far as like portrayal of rugby, I mean, yeah, like uh, it, they, they definitely, uh, you know, showed up the, the party style of it and and kind of the, the fun camaraderie of it and the rivalries in the sport, um, were true to it as well. So I think, I mean, they did a good job with kind of portraying what the community's like, um, for the most part. And I know you've alluded to this a little bit, Joe, but, but you know, why, uh, why do you play this sport and what do you get out of the sport? Yeah. I mean that, that question, I guess the answer to that question has evolved over the years. Uh, you know, right away it was, you know, that recreational level. I want to get, I want to figure out how to be independent in this wheelchair. You know, like a lot of people, um, end up becoming very dependent as quadriplegics or whatever disability they have and depend on people to, to dress them and feed them. And some people need that. Some people like are, are truly need that. And then some people it's like, they probably have enough function to do some things on their own. They end up, they end up um, getting so far in life where they take that victim mentality and go, woe is me. Um, I, I, oh, man, I can't, I can't do that for myself or I can't do this or I can't do that. And, and, and I think for, for a lot of us in um the disabled community, we choose that victor card of, yeah, you know what? Yes, I can do this. And it might be hard for a while, but I can figure it out. And so um, making that choice where everyone has that choice to kind of choose which path they're going down. Um, they might not choose the, the the circumstance, but they do choose the path they go down. And um, I think that was big for me. And one of the reasons I first started playing and then, and then learning about the Paralympics and figuring out, oh, wow, I could, I can compete at the very highest level 
um, in, that our sport has to offer and, and play with USA across my chest that ended up becoming a dream. And so that was kind of the goal and the reason I was playing. And, and now, um, you know, a lot of it is about leadership and, and, and getting to help guys, um, become better men and, and the ladies that we have become better women and, and, um, and being a good servant leader. And so like, that's a, you know, one of the major reasons why I keep doing it and why I take time away from my family to do it. And I'm not, we're, we're not just here to win gold medals. We're here to, to help each other become better men and women. And, and you're in a, a, posi- a perfect place to, in position to do that. I know that you've been on the national team, I believe for 12 years now, and you've been a, a co-captain. Um, what, you know, what have been some of the highlights of, of your Team USA experience and, and what are you looking forward to, you know, maybe as we move into hopefully a, a Tokyo Games? Yeah, I, I obviously, you know, from like the pinnacle moments, you think about the World Championships and the Paralympics, those are our two major competitions that we have throughout a, a cycle. Um, and so we were fortunate enough to win in 2010. Um, came in third in 2014 and 2018 in the world championships. And those were, those were special moments. And, um, and, and then obviously 2012 in London, when I was there, um, those were special moments as well. Um, but I think like for most of us, when we think about the years that have gone by, I think, you know, now with the, the COVID year and then, and then this year it'll be my 13th season on the team. And, there's just a lot of stories and a lot of a lot of people involved in it a lot of journey the the journey is what people remember it's not necessarily like the medals i think we remember the stories and the different remember that time at the airport in japan remember that time at the airport in europe or remember when we did this this and this or in the dorms and um just enjoying each other as a brotherhood um and and as a community and i think it's just something that um that's probably what we'll we'll take away and remember the most and so let's dive a little deeper into the sport itself. If, if um, you're describing the sport, and I know you probably have as, uh, you know, as a member of, of Team USA opportunities to interact with, you know, younger athletes and, uh, and whatnot, what do you, how do you describe the sport to maybe someone who hasn't played it or maybe not even hasn't seen it? Yeah, well, straight off the top, if no one's ever seen it or played it, I'm like, it's high speed chest high speed chess with, with, uh, where you crash into each other, or it's a bunch of crippled people making each other more crippled and you got to get the ball across the line. And, and like, I do it to joke and whatever, but like, um, but then from there, it's like, it's a beautiful game where there's a lot of strategy involved with our classifications, a lot of strategy involved with moving different pieces around the court. And, um, and it's fast paced, high scoring, um, it's something that like, I think most people that haven't watched, they watch once and go, wow, this is really fascinating. This person that ha- can, can barely use their arms is the most important person on the court, um, as the lowest functioning guy or, oh, wow, there's this guy that has, uh, no legs and one arm and he's flying around the court and doing things that are just uh, impossible to even think that he could do. And so, um, it really ends up blowing people's minds when they haven't seen it and you kind of explain it and then they see it in person or see it on video and they're, they're like, wow, this is uh, completely different than what maybe I thought it would be. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are going, Oh, you know, they're probably like me at 19 when I was like, well, it's, I'd rather watch paint dry than watch these adaptive sports. And then you, you realize the grit and determination and the resilience um, that they have and how athletic 
um, some of these guys are. And and I loved your your mention of of high speed because you know my first, the first game that I actually got to see in person, I just couldn't believe how quickly quickly folks were scoring, the teams were scoring on each other, and it was just literally going back and forth, back and forth, up and down the court. So, uh, you know, is that is that your experience in a typical game? Oh yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely. It's a roller coaster of a uh, uh, during the game, and but yeah, it's. I mean, it's high speed, and the game slows down for us as we played for a long time. But um, yeah, it, it never gets old. That's for sure. And um, so you mentioned strategy. You know, there's a lot of strategy involved. Can can you talk about you know? Um, uh, you know, maybe some specific strategies that are often implemented or, or put into practice or play during it. During yeah. Well, with our sport, it's, it's classification. I keep talking about that, but it's our, we have four and four um, that we have in the course of four guys on, on each team and their class based on a, a physical impairment scale. That's 0.5 is the most physically disabled. And then three, five is the least physically disabled, but in the parameters of, um, who's eligible to play. And so from 0.5 and it goes up at 0.5 increments, so 0.51, 1.52, all the way up to 3.5. And you can only have, out of those four players, you can only have eight points of classification on the court. Um, so I'm a two. So you could have four twos in the court, which would equal eight points, or three, five, three, five, point five, point five, or three, two, two, one, and, and, and so on. So there's a lot of different combinations based on the personnel that you have to put different uh, lineup combinations on the court. So from the get-go, you can go, oh, Australia runs, they run a 3.5, 3.5.5.5 um, a lot. And then we're going, okay, what, what uh, strategically, like what lineups do we have that will match up really well with that? We might want to run a lot more balance against their two high pointers and two low pointers, which will help us score more goals or whatever. So like there's that strategy and then there's, you know, strategy involved with do you play man-to-man defense or zone defense or do you spread the ball out on offense or play a certain type of offensive um, structured game? And um, do you play key offense or key defense? And um, do you put this person in this type of chair and off of the chair or a defensive chair that has a picker on the front end that will stop the offensive chair? And so there's a lot of like, there's so much involved in it that I think over the course of the first couple of years that I started playing, besides obviously getting to hit someone uh, was a lot of fun. I was like, wow, there's so much, to the cerebral side of the game that really fascinates me. Hmm. That's, that's a good point. Would you classify it as, as like a more of an offensive game or a defensive game or, you know, even both? It's, it's, yeah, it's absolutely an offensive game. Um, as far as, as far as scoring goes, it, it's much, it's, it's much more in line with like a basketball game, except we don't have three pointers and, and two pointers and free throws, but, um, it's high, it's, it's fast paced and the chances of scoring are high. Um, I think in, in most elite level games now you're scoring the ball 90 to 95% of your possessions. So turnovers, um, are not that there, there's, they're few and few and far between there. Um, you know, there might be maybe six or seven turnovers combined in an elite level Paralympic game. So, um, it's very much an offensive game, mm-hmm. high speed, um, we play four eight minute quarters where the ball, the clock stops after each score. 
and we're getting into the 60s, 50s and 60s usually for scoring. So, I mean, it's it's fast. It's fast paced. Beyond uh, the summer and hope in the Tokyo Games, what what are your kind of thoughts or expectations uh, in terms of your you know involvement? Yeah, I mean, before the pandemic, I would have said, "Hey, I'm probably done after Tokyo." Um, and then now, as we've gotten a year, which would be a year into another quad, um, then it kind of changes things a little bit. But uh, for right now, I'm definitely focused on this year and getting through Tokyo, and then deciding that after and figuring out how my body feels and where I'm at um, um, career-wise. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of speaking um, now and growing that business out. And so that's something that's really important to me too. So just trying to figure it out and make a, a family decision with my wife and kids after after Tokyo. Hopefully we have a gold medal around our necks and then we can make the decision uh, in the fall and see where we're at. Indeed. I'm hoping, hoping that gold medal is around your neck too, Joe. <laughs> well, so uh, fill in the blank for me. Sports make me blank. Sports make me a better person, a better husband, a better father. I think it, there's so many, um, there's so many unique things you can learn from sports, uh, dedication. If you want to get better practice, if you want to get better, um, the adversity that they bring and you get to practice that adversity and that resiliency, um, that, uh, that are super important. Um, I get to do activities with my, my kids, uh, whether it's, um, you know, dribbling for basketball or they're practicing skating um, for hockey or uh, soccer, whatever it is, and get to have those moments where you're like, hey, do you like this sport? Yeah, yeah, dad, I like the sport. Okay, do you want to get better at the sport? Yeah, I do. Okay, how do we do that? And them understanding, like, if you want something, you're gonna need to work for it. And I think, um, you know, much like uh, theater or music would do the same, Sports does that where it's, it creates a type of work ethic where you need to put in um, time if you want to get something out of it. And um, that's certainly true with sports. And I know you mentioned that, you know, like, like going back to the the, movie, the film Murderball, that it, it smashed some stereotypes. How are you redefining disability? Yeah, I think I, I probably will help hope, hopefully do this justice. Um when I'm speaking, I speak a lot on opportunity uh, within your obstacles. And I think, um, you know, just like Murderball did and Smashing Stereotypes, the way I do it's probably a little differently. And um, I think that every single one of us has a story to tell and, and we all have a unique lane in this world. And for me, um, I love to talk to people about how they can inspire themselves. I think a lot of people in the sale world shy away from the, the I word, the inspire, the inspiration word. Oh, you're inspiring because you went to the grocery store for milk. Like, no, um, hopefully I inspire you with my story to inspire yourself that you can go, you know what, like there's obstacles in my life. There's, there's that quote unquote wheelchair in my life that has been blocking the road to my success. And I can have a choice to find opportunity within that circumstance and a choice to take that victor path instead of that victim path. And I think um, that's hopefully what I'm um, uh, going to be able to do here in my next chapter of life. That's, that's indeed awesome. And I know you mentioned you're, you're growing out your business. How do people either reach you or follow you? The easiest way um, is to go over and jump on Joe Delagrave 
joedelagrave.com, J-O-E-D-E-L-A-G-R-A-V-E.com. And all my social handles and information's on there and how to book me as a speaker and um, uh, find out more information about that. And so that's the easiest way. I'm on Instagram, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, all that good stuff. Twitter, I guess. I, I, like, I feel like no one goes on Twitter anymore unless they're like really mad and they want to argue. <laughs> so I, I stay away from that uh, quite a bit, but but no, um, uh, yeah, over at the website would be the easiest. Okay, that's perfect. Well, uh, Joe, it's been wonderful to talk to you and um, definitely, uh, hopefully folks will reach out and, and check out your website and, and follow you on social, uh, particularly through this summer and uh, go Team USA. Sounds great, Sean. Really appreciate it. And uh, absolutely, go go Team USA.